Welcome to the Essential Intellimotions podcast with your host, Jax Sullivan. to the first episode of the Authential Intel Emotions podcast with me, Jack Sullivan. It's the magazine-style podcast where we explore how we write emotional intelligence into every chapter of our life from cradle to grave. It's Valentine's Day, so whether you believe in it or not, I'm going to kick off with an episode that's centred around dating. I'm going to start every episode with a piece of fiction, so a short story or flash fiction that I have written that will be relevant for that episode Um, or it will be a poem um, that I'll share and read as uncomfortable as I find spoken words. um, I will be sharing my uh, what I've written really and today as it's a dating episode I am going to share a piece of poetry that I wrote, I think it was in 2021 I wrote this one and it's called The Awakened Rose. Curled up inside a dusty glass bottle, the unopened rose yet to bloom. Gentle wilting cries go unheard, muffled in a hazy grey vacuum. Choked by pathways melting into patterns, rooted to a crumpled and useless map. Stumbling into dead ends and roundabouts. Dragged down, down further, pushed under, coated in concrete floods of confused unknowing. Slowly dragged from the bottom shelf, scratching and scraping over bumpy terrain. Hours become days, years that come and go like a tidal wave, pushing and pulling on tiny grains of understanding as the dull, cold fog evaporates particle by particle, piece by piece. The entangled puzzle unravels, lights illuminate from flickering to glowing as the soft, delicate petals part and unfold. The newborn awakened rose. In this section, we are going to be featuring letters from fictitious um, listeners for now. Maybe one day we'll get to the point where we actually receive letters or emails from actual listeners, real life listeners. Dear Caroline, I'm 22 and I keep making the same mistakes with guys. I pick the ones who don't treat me well and I need help, but I don't know who to talk to about it. I feel embarrassed. I don't know how to choose someone who's good for me. Can you help? P.S. Love Island isn't the same without you. Um, but this all starts with um, learning to love ourselves. And it's such a cliche. Um, but it's so true. And I think a lot of the reason why <clears throat> we end up picking, and I mean the collective we, um, why we end up picking the wrong people to be with is because a lot of it will be to do with the patterns and conditioning we've had. Um, you might or may or not know that as children, if we aren't modelled healthy ways of love, um, and it's not anything against the families that we've had, um, it's just circumstances, a lot of which are circumstances that are because of what happens outside the home. Um, the economic conditions, um, you know, these things are bound to take effect. I'm going to talk about all that stuff um, in another episode, but I just wanted to make it clear that I'm not here to judge or 
condemn any families for how they um, treat their children. Um, everyone has to start taking some self-accountability and responsibility for how they show up for themselves and for others, and that includes um, in the familial home. But it can be very difficult when external pressures and external environments um, put unnecessary pressure on families and create environments within the home that don't create a loving, caring, easy, safe, secure environment that children can grow up in. So let's just acknowledge that for a second, shall we? Um, But yes, some of the reasons why we gravitate towards people who aren't good for us is because it mirrors how we were treated as children and the brain automatically seeks out um, what it knows, whether that's good or bad or safe or not. Um, The brain is wired for safety. If we are wired for safety and that safety is actually, um, I suppose we would use the word toxic, um, then that is what we're going to seek out. And it takes a lot to recognise that, to come to pull yourself out of that um, way of life and way of being because it is so conditioned that you just think it's normal. Um, but we need to normalise feeling safe in our own bodies, feeling safe around the people we're with, connecting to our own emotions, listening to our inner um, guiding light, which is our um, emotions, telling us, I don't feel safe with this person, this isn't making me feel good and I need to walk away from it and I need to work on myself to rewire and undo those patterns that have led me to make these um unconscious choices about having people in my life that aren't good for me um so I would suggest that that's a big one um energy is also a a big thing isn't it for attraction um if we are if we haven't been taught how to love ourselves how to care for ourselves how to respect ourselves how to put up boundaries um, how to say no how to communicate what we want and need, then yeah, um, our energy is going to be full of things that that really don't, just don't serve us and it's going to take us down roads that we wish we hadn't gone down later on in life. And the sooner we can snap ourselves out of that um, and um, make sure that we don't make those same mistakes again, then that's the sooner the better for that. The next section then in this um, episode is about EQ and sex. I think this is a really important thing to touch on and I am going to be talking quite a lot about this as the podcast progresses. Um, I am all for uh, sex evolution, sex spelt S-E-Q-S, which is emotional intelligence, sexual choices and sexual emotional intelligence sexual education and sexual awareness about as well as being tied into emotional intelligence. I'm not here to judge anyone um, and I am not here to shame or blame anyone for their choices. Um, But I do have a particular set of beliefs now with the benefit of hindsight and with the benefit of what I call looking in my rearview mirror, which has now been cleared of the mist that used to be on it. Um, 
I am speaking from a place of wishing that the information that I would like to communicate and to say to anyone who wants to listen, it's the sort of information that I wish I'd had when I was younger, um, the sort of information I wish I'd had from an emotionally intelligent friend or sister, perhaps, the sort of information that could have snapped me out of my fog tunnel living, and I'm going to talk about that quite a lot as well, as I call my unconscious conditioned living as um, a fog tunnel, living in a fog tunnel, because when you come out of that, it's it's amazing the clarity that you get, and I'd really like to help, or not to help, but I'd really like to just put out information and, and to chat about and get a conversation around how we try and do what we can for the adolescent brain period, um, which is between 12 and 24, and that's something I'm going to talk a lot about as well. That is that is information that I feel should be as commonly known as um, water is H2O. Um, I believe that the adolescent brain period of 12 to 24 is hugely underrated as a subject of conversation and as a topic of um, change and absolute and complete devotion to um, to altering and to giving attention to. So the information that I and the beliefs that I have now and the space that I am in in terms of our attitudes towards emotional intelligence and sex is very much from that place of learning um, and growth and self-awareness and knowing that Many of the choices that I made in my past, in my late teens and some in my 20s, a couple in my 30s, um, were because of alcohol and other substances, um, mostly alcohol. Um, their choices um, around sex, I'm not, I was never highly promiscuous. I was always very quiet. Um, around men until I'd had um, alcohol and then I changed Um, and I think a lot of that is to do with also the societal messages that we receive around about us um, which I don't think are helpful especially now um, when I see things like OnlyFans I Again, there's no judgment if, if there are girls and women who are on there and they're consciously making those choices and they are consciously in alignment with who they are, and these choices are not making them feel um, bad. They are making them feel genuinely empowered, genuinely authentically empowered. Then, by all means, go for it. But there is a there seems to be a big normalisation of the sex industry into the mainstream, and I think it's very concerning. I heard a story about there was a bit of a trend going around about choking through sex, and <clears throat> it's toxic. I really want the, the, the emotionally intelligent side of sex for girls and boys um, at 16, which is what they are, isn't it? 16 in the eyes of the law as a child. Um, 16, I think, for any decent adult is still a child. Um, and certainly in the, the, the in terms of the adolescent brain, it's only four years into that brain um, structure changing and integrating and choices that are made then can... Um, and messaging that's that's wired into the brain at that point will will stay there for into adulthood. So 
there's a big conversation to be had around around that. Um, I think that um, we need to be talking a lot more about emotionally intelligent sex in terms of, um, for example, there is an awareness of periods and are you on your periods is a question that, that women and girls will get asked as a way to measure whether or not they can have sex. But actually, why are we not um, focusing on fertility windows? I, there is no way I would have known anything about my fertility window when I was in my teens. Um, I remember I don't remember being taught that during sex education. I don't know if it's taught it now. If anyone listens and you want to um, tell me, then that would be great. Um, but an emotionally intelligent conversation around sex would be, are you in your fertility window? An emotionally intelligent girl or woman, I believe we need to head in the direction of that being absolutely known so that women can be more empowered and men can be empowered because there's two people who make a baby um, and it shouldn't just be up to the female to be in charge of that and men need to step up and boys need to step up and society needs to step up and make boys and men absolutely responsible for the part that they also play um, and the absolute consequences that can happen of um, sex, um, which is ultimately falling pregnant and having another human being that you have to then make sure is grows up to become the individual who can navigate their life. Um, I think there's a lot to be said around EQ and sex. Um, I probably rambled on a bit here. I'm, I'm trying to do this podcast with as little notes as I can. I want it to be authentic. I want it to be straight from the heart and the mind and the soul and without getting all woo-woo about it. Um, I am a, a bit spiritual and that will come out now and again. Um, but I also want to merge that in with the, the science of brain wiring and um, of our bodies um, and our nervous systems. And it all has a place. And I also want to just say that I do not believe that... Um, Medit- that we can meditate our way out of um, unhelpful wiring um, or any of that stuff but I'm going to talk about that in another um, episode So now we're going on to a special feature of the show every week I'll choose a feature to talk about um, and this week it's a real talk thought for dating um, and as the podcast is about emotional intelligence, um, let's take this right back to um, the, the bare bones and just really just say how emotionally intelligent are we um, for dating and how emotionally intelligent is our date. Um, something though I've never ever thought about is how emotionally intelligent am I to be dating and how emotion, emotionally intelligent is are the people that I am sitting across from in this coffee shop or bar or wherever it might be. I would say it's only in the past sort of three or four years that I've started to become and strengthen and grow my emotional intelligence. Um, I made uh, unconscious choices. The choices that I was making were on my own during dating. So this is a really fundamental question that I believe we all need to be thinking about when we are um, entering into the dating world is how emotionally intelligent am I? 
and how emotionally intelligent are they? What is my level of emotional intelligence? Well, there's lots of um, there's lots of information online, and I will start to share that stuff as well. How you can tell? I'll start to share my experiences of what I believe low how of sorry how I believe low emotional intelligence has shown up in my life, and um, as I explained in the prologue, um, the podcast is going to be focused around those areas at first where I believe that low emotional intelligence showed up most in my life, which was dating and relationships. Um, in my career, um, in my finances, and just overall um, with myself. One big question we all need to be asking ourselves, or not all, all the people who need to ask themselves is, how emotionally intelligent am I to be able to go into the dating world to get what I want, if what I want is a healthy, happy, um, mutually respectful relationship, and how emotionally intelligent are they? I think once as individuals, our emotional intelligence starts to grow and build, we naturally start to um, gravitate towards people who are on our same energy levels and on our same wavelengths. So the next part then is writing to rewire. I, this, I've decided to make this a feature of the podcast because I think it's important to talk about the um, upsides of moving from low emotional intelligence to having good enough emotional intelligence which is I hope what I have done um, over the last seven years and yes that's how long I've been working on myself and and taking myself from having um being in that fog tunnel living to um getting out of that fog tunnel and becoming self-aware and having been able to have boundaries, been able to know what those even are. I didn't even know what that was um, eight years ago, probably, um, which is a bit of a sad fact for uh, <laughs> for getting to that stage in life and not knowing. But um, there you go. That's just that's just how it is. Um, but journaling is has been one of the constant factors since I started. Um, I do love writing and um, so naturally I've gravitated towards pen and paper to be able to get all my thoughts out of my head and out of my body Um, not just thoughts, feelings as well Um, and journaling has been a huge part of that so I am going to talk, use this space, use this part of the podcast to talk about my experience of going from being completely unconscious, conditioned patterns, unhelpful conditioned patterns, not knowing my wants and needs, not having boundaries, um, not knowing myself at all, um, and how that, what I have done and the different tools and methods that I've used to shift that towards feeling more self-assured, aligned and a lot healthier and happier I guess in myself not always but um yeah I I feel different in myself and it's great and it's totally worth all the the um effort setting stage is the segment of the podcast where I'll talk about the stages, the various stages that I've learned and I'm learning about in terms of 
brain development and um, everything that goes along with that, which includes our nervous system and how all of that goes into affecting um, how we go on to live and go on to cope with life and what we have um, as our dominant way of being, I guess. So um, the main stages of life for um, brain development that I've learned about is not to six, um, which is in infancy. But the next really important stage for brain development where there is a lot of integration going on and a lot of changes happening tuning and pruning, um, tuning and pruning of different parts of the brain, different different um, neurons. It can either be a time where if ba- if unhelpful sorry patterns have been um, and pathways have been built up in the brain during infancy, this is the time where those unhelpful patterns can be either tuned even more, depending on what happens in that time frame. Or actually they can be pruned away um, if we want to replace those unhelpful pathways with something that is um, more helpful um, for adolescents and heading on into adulthood. So that time of life, and then there's uh, 25 plus, which is uh, the adult brain. And this is when the brain has settled down into I suppose, what we would call conditioned ways of thinking and being. Um, and by that point, after then, and the further down the line we go, the more difficult it is to rewire uh, all those pathways. But um just takes more conscious effort, but it's absolutely possible. Um, I am a living example of that. So um, what I really want to focus on is, um, and what I'll be focusing a lot on is the 12 to 24 as I've already mentioned um, in the last segment, I am coming very much from a place of I wish I I am talking about the information I've learned that I wish I'd had when I was younger and um, when I was going through that adolescent phase, um, and that's that's exactly where I um, where I my sort of mindset is um, and why I'm doing this podcast really um, one of the main reasons why I'm doing the podcast to be honest is that I believe that we have to do more um, for people children adolescents who don't have those um, currently don't have those good examples and those opportunities to rewire and either strengthen um, what they've learned or cut away um, what's unhelpful to them. So um, I've also in that respect added on the next um, segment of the show which is called Incandescent Adolescent. So Incandescent Adolescent is exactly what I've just said. It's the part of the show where I want to focus 100% on the adolescent brain um, and what we could be doing better for that age group. Um, People might disagree, people might not disagree. Quite frankly, I'm not fussed. I'm starting out. 
I'm learning a lot at the moment and I want to share what I'm learning and I want to share what I'm seeing um, because I feel that we need to be having this conversation. Um, and today in this episode, as it's a Valentine's Day focused um, episode, I'd like to just um, quickly explore and sort of introduce the idea of what we might be da- uh, doing that's damaging um, to the successful integra- integration of the adolescent brain at this stage. Um, because if society and if societal messages are playing a part in this in this age group, which they very much are, because this is the part stage in life where adolescents want to break free from their um, their parental home. They're out and about. They're doing their own thing. They're finding themselves, and I believe that we need to do better um, in society to in order to make um, adolescents take make better risky decisions now the reason I say better risky decisions is because having read Dan Siegel's book called Brainstorm um, I've been learning a lot more about the adolescent brain and I'll be referring to this book quite a lot if you're listening and if you are have children or if you work with adolescents or if you are in any way shape or form um, interested in this in this part of um the adolescent brain development stage then it's a fantastic book it's called brainstorm it's by dr dan siegel but um what he says is that you're not going we are not going to stop adolescents from engaging in risky behavior um what has to be accepted is that um there are risky behaviors that have less risk and there are risky behaviors that are obviously can be damaging um and I believe that one of those risky behaviours um, is sex. Um, and this is why I want to start talking about emotionally intelligent sex. Um, because there, if we are going to accept as a society that we believe that 16-year-old children who are four years into their adolescent brain are capable and perfectly lucid and perfectly consciously making decisions about such an invasive and intimate um, act between two people, then we have to start shouting loudly about the the decisions around that age group have to be less risky. What do I mean by that? Well, why are we? Why are? Um, why is it always up to the female to um, really take more responsibility for the extreme consequence of falling pregnant? Um, it just seems to me that. Society is driven towards the male of the two people involved in that process and involved in that um, in that result that the males seem to just get off scot-free. Um, there's no consequences of their actions. Um, we are not telling young boys and, and uh, young, ad, young 16-year-old children, 16-year-old boys, um, that if they get uh if they are instrumental in the insemination of an egg um that they must take 100% responsibility for that um for that consequence um because at the moment it doesn't feel like there's end, like we're doing that um it feels like boys are being given a green light to do whatever the hell they like 
without consequence, without accountability, without responsibility for the consequences of their actions, and it's not acceptable to me. Um, I think that it takes two to tango. Um, um, one example of how we can sort of measure whether or not 16-year-old children should be having sex is their ability to engage in an honest discussion about fertility windows. Um, when I was younger, I would have guys ask me, oh, you're on your period. Um, and that was the only question that was asked because then it would potentially be messy or it would potentially be a no-no that we would have sex because we were having our period. But actually, having sex on a period is one surefire way to make sure that the female um, and the male doesn't get pregnant. Um so actually, are 16, 17, 18, 19-year-olds, is anyone having conversations, apart from people who want to get pregnant, is anyone having conversations about fertility windows and making a choice whether or not to have sex based on that um, rather than being based on uh, having being on your period? Um, I realise this is an absolute um, minefield of a conversation to be having um, and I hope to go into this topic of conversation with um, a resoluteness I guess in my own um, mind that I am saying and doing the right thing to try and protect those who are not making conscious decisions about having sex at such a young age um, four years into the development of their adolescent brain and whilst all those neurons and all those pathways are still firing and it's such a confusing time anyway and um, that the legal system then also throws in this um, this curveball saying that it's absolutely acceptable to be making massive decisions about um, something that is completely and utterly accepted by um, pop culture and by society. Um. I guess the other thing to talk about here in relation to sex is two years later, um, and I realise that Challenge 25 is out there now, but whether that's a bit of smoke and mirrors, um, I don't know. Is it a, is it a, a gradual shift away from 18? Uh, again, I don't know. But at the moment, the legal age, the legal system is saying that 18-year-olds, six years into their adolescent brain development, halfway through the full term of their adolescent brain development, are um, okay to drink uh, a liquid that is going to kill their brain cells and impair their judgment um, and potentially put them in life-threatening situations. Um, alcohol is something that I believe is uh, instrumental in making poor decisions about sexual intercourse, um, especially at that age group. Um, I think it encourages promiscuity. I think it encourages risky behaviour, I think it encourages behaviour that otherwise might not have happened. I think it encourages people to wake up the next day and regret what they've done. Um, however, because it's so socially accepted, um, regretting what is what happens the next day, I think can also create this sort of cognitive cognitive dissonance in um, the minds of young younger people. They might feel... Um, regret or embarrassment or potentially even shame. Um, I'm not saying they should feel ashamed of it. If um, you know, it's it's nothing to be ashamed of. I'm not. Again, I'm not sitting here saying that. Um, 
But if there, if there are a mixture of emotions and there are negative emotions, but society and peer groups and pop culture are all saying that this is something that you should be doing and it's something that's acceptable and here's the contraceptive pill, girls, uh, go out and have sex just as long as you do it carefully and here's a condom and here's uh, the morning after pill. And Well, that cognitive dissonance kicks in because your innate feeling about what you have done is then is then merging and fighting with this um, overriding bigger message um, about what you've done is okay um, when in actual fact you don't feel okay. I suppose I'm trying to think of a, a comparison to that, what that might be. Um, it might actually just even be about drinking alcohol, you know, it seems fun at the time, but then the next day you've got a banging, you might be you might be thrown up, you might be feeling terrible, you absolutely regret it, but then within a week you've forgotten and you're out doing it all again. So, because again, it's a socially accepted norm um, at a younger age and... Um, you know, that's kind of what I wanted to introduce today. I'm going to be talking about that a lot more. And um, I think there's a lot more we could be doing to promote emotionally mature, emotionally intelligent, less risky choices around sex um, during the adolescent brain period, um, which begins at 12 and finishes at 24. I think as responsible adults who have potentially been through mistakes and made mistakes and might not want to admit that they've made mistakes or whatever, then I think um, as a society, we could be doing better. Thank you so much for listening to this first episode. I have no idea how this podcast is going to pan out. Um, I have to say this is the first episode um, I'm recording I'm enjoying talking about this. Emotional intelligence is so important to me, as I say, because I lived with it for, I lived without it, should I say, for um, all my life. And I can see how much it affects um, choices and decisions and um, the quality of life that we have. So I'll stop talking now and just say thank you so much for listening. And the next episode will be in two weeks' time, uh, fortnightly episodes of the Authential Intel Emotions podcast is coming now and I hope you subscribe and follow my Instagram channel. That's the only one I'm on at the moment, um, but I will see you soon. Take care. Bye. <laughs>